You're listening to episode 27 of the Mad Chatters podcast, April 1st, 2015. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Mad Chatters Podcast, your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney Universe. My name is Derek, and joining me today are my co-hosts, Matt, who is chewing some candy. (laughs) Uh, Hey, I have my microphone on mute. Oh, and he had his microphone on mute. And Jeremy. Happy birthday. Ah, how appropriate. Well, on today's show, we are continuing our series, which we started a few weeks ago, about animated films and their presence in the parks. And today we move on to the 1950s. But before we do that, let's tackle a bit of news that has been going on in the parks. Now, some time ago, Disney World announced that Trader Sam's Grog Grotto, um, a bar slash lounge type area would be coming to the Polynesian Village Resort. Now, people were excited because this is uh, supposedly just like the one in Disneyland, Trader Sam's Enchanted Tiki Bar, which always is very, very popular and very crowded, and people were excited it was coming here. Now, they announced that it's not officially opening till the end of April, but this weekend, they had a soft opening. Now, it was kind of controversial because they didn't just soft open. They actually announced that it would be soft opening, and apparently, I saw on Twitter that... Like, local news stations were covering this, and everybody was announcing that it was soft opening. So, needless to say, lines were very, very long. In fact, I saw one tweet that said there was a two-hour wait to get a pager. And then once you got your pager, it was a a two-and-a-half-hour wait before you were seated. Good lord. Well, this, this area, it only seats like 50 people inside the whole Trader Sam's. So okay. I know there's outdoor seating. Does that include the outdoor seating? Oh, that I don't know, but uh-huh. I just saw that they had mentioned that. That just seems very foolish to me. Yeah, but man, they did some business. Oh well. Well, once it gets there, it'll be go at late at night, and it won't be crazy when it opens. That's what they're counting on. I would think so. Yeah, I guess soft opening kind of takes away the crowd on opening day. Yeah, I yeah. look forward to to going and seeing. They have, you know, several alcoholic options and non-alcoholic options as well. But the uh, the cups and that's things are options fun. for alcoholics. <laughs> you say alcoholic options. That's options for the alcoholics. <laughs> Whatever. They have alcohol beverages and they have non-alcohol beverages available for your consumption and they have some really fun uh glasses that they come in as well yeah at least i've seen on social media we did not get the opportunity to go to trader sam's in disneyland we poked our head in but yeah it was kind of crowded because since the parks closed so early every night we were there i think most people headed over to trader sam's as soon as the park closed yeah yeah but i look forward to going to the one in the Polynesian Village. There is a drink I will not be ordering, and this astounded me when I saw it. And that is, it's called the the Nautilus. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. And wait, say it again. The Nautilus. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it said Nautilus. I heard a T. <laughs> like the like the nice list and the naughty list. <laughs> not a list. Whatever. <laughs> it's the boat from Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Right. A submarine. And- a submarine is a boat. 
<laughs> we are having so much trouble with words tonight. <laughs> <laughs> there's apparently a whole show with this drink, and when they when you order it, there's a lighting effect in the in the restaurant or tavern, whatever you want to call it, and there's. I don't know. I, all kinds of I things. I saw there are like storm effects, like thunder when you order a certain drink, and like chanting statues and things like that. So, not to mention the return of what's her face, uh, Oa. Yeah. Has have anybody watched the video of any of it? Uh, I saw pictures of her. I don't think she no. moves. I think like her voice comes out from that area of the room. I think the eyes light up or something. Okay, that would It'd make be a sense shame if she didn't move because she is pretty sophisticated, right? What, okay, what is she from? The Enchanted Tiki Room, right? Under new yeah. management. Right, right. And now they've moved her to Trader Sam's. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe she'll move when they have their officially open official opening date. Now, other thing, did we ever confirm is uh, there's no Trader Sam at Disney World, right? As far as in the Jungle Cruise. It is Chief Nami, right? We talked about this so. a few episodes ago. I wonder why they decided to keep the Trader Sam's name here, since that's not a local thing. I guess because it's more familiar. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I guess huh. people would instantly connect it to the one in Disneyland. Yeah. But back yeah. to this drink. <laughs> this drink is apparently for two people, I think is what they said. Oh, okay. The Nautilus? Yeah. But it's $52. Hmm. Now, in that you get to keep your little collectible glass cup. Okay. But $52 for a beverage seems... Yeah. It's extreme for me. Not to mention, also, people have mentioned that you cannot bring glass uh, objects into the Magic Kingdom. So if you are planning to, I mean, you can't like you can't put this glass in your backpack and then go into the Magic Kingdom. So you'll have to go back to your resort or your car or whatever. Yeah, that's true, huh? But anyway, it sounds like a neat place. It's going to be very popular, I think, for a long time, and it's got a lot of interactive effects. So a nice place to kind of hang out and cool down. After a long day at the parks. And the only other piece of news I had was just announced this week. And that is we are getting another live action adaptation of a Disney film. This time it is Mulan. Now, I don't want to say that I'm a prophet or anything <laughs> like that. But Derek and I were on the phone on Saturday and we were talking and we both have seen Cinderella within the last week. And so we were talking about the new live-action Cinderella. And just uh, randomly, I was like, I don't know what they're going to do next. Maybe they'll do Mulan or something like And I think I said it just kind of even as, like, being facetious. <laughs> and then they announced today that we're getting live-action Mulan. So uh, very strange indeed. So anybody else want anything? I can put it out there into the universe. And uh, apparently I have that power. Well, it is kind of strange that Maleficent and Cinderella both came out within the last couple of years, and right now they are currently working on Beauty and the Beast, Dumbo, Jungle Book, and Mulan. Seems like uh, there's this whole surge going on. I, let's just Nothing ride new. everything we've done for the last hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing yeah. new under the sun. Well, I think, you know, you can blame it all pretty much on Maleficent, I think, because even though that was not critically accepted or even as a whole a lot of your hardcore fans didn't really care for it it still made a buttload of money mm -hmm. and it sold a buttload of merchandise and i'm just gonna try and say buttload as much as i please can do. please do cinderella on the other hand is very good and a fun film and seems to be liked across the board 
And it's also making a buttload of money with merchandise and viewing. So Disney has never been the type to shy away from riding the horse and beating it till it falls over and dies. So (laughs) That's that's not the way that goes. (laughs) But we'll leave it because it makes sense. Disney rides the horse and beats it until it dies. Well, I mean, that's what I mean. It's it's like, oh, here's a trend. And then they beat a dead horse. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. But the horse isn't dead yet because I think the horse is alive and well. But my point is Disney's going to ride it till it falls over and dies and then they'll beat it. Speaking of, today they announced that Bambi is getting a live action remake with humans and real deer. No, now, are you being facetious based on the SNL skit? I am, yeah. Okay. I am, yeah. Did you watch it? I didn't know if you saw it. No, I mean, I saw it online. I didn't watch it live. Yeah, I didn't either. I'll have to catch that. It was funny. Also... Like April Fools, right? So when this was released, it'll be April first. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we We got you so bad, (laughs) listeners. (laughs) All right, well, let's move on because you guys went to the parks last week, and I really want to hear about your trip, what you saw, more specifically, what you ate, since it is the Flower and Garden Festival. Now, I assume you missed all the crowds that they've seen this week. What with it being the week leading up to Easter, I was shocked at how. Uncrowded it was. Okay. Oh, yes. It was Monday, though. Last Monday. Yeah, we went know. last Monday. Um, we went to Animal Kingdom in the morning and early afternoon, and Epcot in the mid-afternoon into the evening. Uh, now, when we were heading to the park, it had called for rain all day long. And it rained pretty substantially until probably, what would you say, Matt, around noon? Mm-hmm. And after that, though, the sun came out, and it was gorgeous and beautiful all day. But uh, yeah, the crowds were so low. Especially, it was spring break. It was that. It was the week after spring break of Central Florida, but it was spring break in South Florida. So I was still expecting it to be fairly crowded, uh, you know, with the locals from yeah. South Florida coming up. But no. Well, and and you think like crowds around America all flood to Disney World around spring break, and their spring breaks are all across the month of March. You know. Yeah. yeah. Just don't go to Disney World on spring break. That's right. In fact, don't go to Disney World ever, so it's less crowded for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does make sense, because some, for some people, that's the only time they can go, and they think, oh, we'll beat the summer crowds. But I think a lot of times, spring break is more crowded than the summer crowds, right? Around yes. this time, it surely is, yes. with the, especially Easter. Yeah. Uh, Animal Kingdom, in the way of reporting, was not much to report. You know, Dinosaur, Expedition Everest, we just spent a few hours there. Um, something worth noting was that the food at the Yak and Yeti uh, quick service is always wonderful, at least what I ordered. Wait, 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 wait. How can you love Yak and Yeti quick service but never want to eat at Yak and Yeti again? I've always told you that I like the Yak and Yeti quick service. We had the argument one time because I liked it and Jeremy did not because I didn't like the little pieces of honey chicken on top of the rice in the box. I liked the quick service. Okay. I don't like the inside because it's like the same stuff times three for the pricing. Uh, and the theming is nada. So okay. that's okay. why I like the outside. Um, <laughs> it, they had a special that day of like curry chicken and rice, and it was delicious. I don't know what Jeremy ordered. I ordered the – oh, I, I actually liked it. I ordered the oh. beef um, – Teriyaki bowl. I remember teriyaki that. Teriyaki bowl, yes. And it was really good. It's really good. I, I it changed my opinion of Yak and Yeti. If you want to know the truth, and we sat outside in dripping rain, kind of annoying drizzle the whole time. Yeah, being dripped on by uh, umbrella. Eight second rant. This is just like a life lesson in general. 
but particularly at Disney World, if if it's lunchtime and there's limited seating in an area, eat and leave. Mm-hmm. Yes. Don't Please. just sit there and, you know, it's so annoying when people are standing. There's like 20 people standing with trays, like looking around, clearly looking for a table. And people are sitting there, you know, just looking at their map. And their empty tray is sitting in front of them. You know, they're done eating. They're just like, you know, lounging. Were they under shelter? Well, no. Some and some weren't. Some have okay. umbrellas. And it was drizzly at that point. So a lot of people were especially trying to get those tables with umbrellas. But it's just rude. You know, I mean, oh, people are trying to eat. I get it, but if it were raining and you were at one of those tables with an umbrella, you would stay for as long as you could. No, it wasn't raining. I'll give you a case in point. It, was it wasn't drizzling. raining. It was drizzling. And case in point, as soon as we were done eating, we purposefully, we purposefully said, we need to go because there were people still standing there waiting to sit there. Yes. Okay. That aside, the restaurant is great. They might need some more seating if it's going to be uh, busy like that. Gotcha. The food was good. I, I think the portion size could be enhanced just a little bit for your money's worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But other than that, it was good. Uh, what were some of your highlights from the other parks or even that park if there was one? I haven't seen the new African expansion. Ah. Uh, I had, oh, yeah. I realized it'd been like... New Harambe. Yeah, it'd been like a year since I've been to Animal Kingdom, so it'd been a while. So I got to experience that. We saw the Festival of the Lion King, which of course has a new theater there. Well, yeah. relatively new. Uh, and it's great, great show as always. And I think I even Matt said his opinion of it is turning a bit. Okay, it turned a little bit, a little bit. I enjoyed the show a little more this time. I don't know if it was the singers or because we weren't sitting up underneath the balcony thing. I don't know. Okay, I liked it a little better this time. Yeah, and uh, the new area looks great. I was really Im- impressed by it. It looks it looks nice. It looks natural. It would, didn't yeah. look like they just crammed in an extra area. Like they're in Africa, to... like bicycles along the walls and mm, my favorite trash on the streets. Yeah, or <laughs> downtown Miami, Miami, whichever. You <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, anywho, it was good. We did dinosaur, which is nothing new there, but we did it, and we did Everest, which is there again, nothing groundbreaking there but uh animal kingdom always an enjoyable way to spend a morning yeah mm-hmm. and now yeah. matt was your family with you or was it just you two yeah my wife jessica and our little daughter anna went with us uh to both parks that day and uh anna is almost five months year five months years old <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. she's months? almost five months old uh at the end of this week she'll be five months old so obviously she can't ride a lot of things like everest and dinosaur so we were able to do the baby swap thing on those. And it, here's a bad thing about the Fast, Pla- Fast Pass Plus system is that when one person in the party uses the Fast Pass, it is used. And it, it is as if the whole party has used it. So Jessica and I could not go in and use our Fast Passes and leave Jeremy and then he go back in and use a Fast Pass. Unless you like tell the cast member and they let you do that kind of thing. It's easier just to go ahead and say, hey, can I get a baby swap thing? They give you a, like a legacy, like old paper fast pass for the attraction. It's good actually till the end of the month, which is odd. To the end of the <laughs> month you're in, um, it'll what? say it like expires March 31st. Seriously. Um, huh. And you so you just go that's... back and give that to the person. You use the fast passes, the other person can go in. Do you oh, think no? that's because they just print up a bunch of them at one time? Oh, I'm sure. Uh, they don't print yeah. them on the spot, they just have them ready to go. Uh, here's where this thing 
really came into play well is when me and my parents went, uh, and Jessica and Anna. My parents bought tickets the day of, so I couldn't book them fast passes. But what I did is I booked Jessica and I fast passes for some of the big things of the Magic Kingdom that Anna couldn't do. And so Jessica and I would go up with Anna and get a baby swap ticket. And so we would be able to ride on our fast passes. And then three people, they allow up to three people to go back in with the baby swap pass. So my parents, even though they didn't have fast passes, it's almost like they did. And they could ride everything immediately the same way we did. So if you're going with people that don't have them booked, bring a baby with you. Bring a baby with you. <laughs> go find or a baby. Or pretend that there's a baby somewhere else. Oh. Yeah. There, you- there are some, yeah. Get you an empty stroller and just park it somewhere. And then when they say, where's the baby? Just point at the empty stroller. You know, make sure it's covered or whatever. There are really say, oh, some, uh, okay. there are some secret little semi-dishonest, unethical tricks that you can use with Baby Swap that I have learned. And we, we are not, not going to share on this podcast. No. <laughs> Email us at comments at madchatters.net and we'll tell you all about them. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's what we did at Animal Kingdom. But then we went to... Are we ready to go to Epcot? Let's I'm go to ready. Epcot. Uh, first thing we talked about a few weeks ago, Flower and Garden Festival. The first thing, one of the things we talked about was the weird theme music at the front. At least I <laughs> talked about it. Yeah. I remember two years specifically, the Beach Boys music, and the next year was like the Cinderella music. Uh, because the Cinderella theme was at, up front. This year... I, it was the regular old Epcot music, so I was pleased to have that. And the opening theme there. They listened to our podcast. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, we, we need to really change that. And they just had the generic, <laughs> like, Goofy and Mickey and Minnie and Donald. I was going to say, the yeah. theme of it the, is not really there, like, as far as, like, a surf theme. It's just kind of like the Fab Five plus Chip and Dale in a garden. Like, oh, that's all it is. He's, like, peeing in the garden or something. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, I saw I that. Saw, yeah. The new bushes that are up to make it look like goofy is not urinating all over (laughs) we were traveling to epcot really to attend to go to and see all the flower and garden festival festivities and uh particularly for me to sample some of the the food cart items that they had so we did like living with the land do we do anything else in future world no i think as soon as we got off we were we were hungry so we decided to go over so we started over in uh in mexico and then the next uh, place over was China. And that's mm-hmm. where kind of if you're going that clockwise direction, that's really where the first official food and wine festival food booth is. I think it's called Lotus House. Okay. And I was the first one to get something. I think Jessica got like some school bread because she just wanted it. So I said, I'm going to go ahead and get something from the food cart. And I got something called the Kung Pao Chicken Bun. And if you've ever been to like a uh, – a Chinese restaurant that actually does dim sum or like traditional Chinese like snacks. They have this steamed bread. If you can imagine bread that's not baked and it doesn't get brown, it's kind of white and mushy but crusty all at the same time. I don't know how to describe it to you other than a delicious sponge. Okay. It's like that. It's like a little fold over taco almost, kind of thick, filled with this delicious like spicy Chinese kind of chicken. They had some like a Chinese slaw in there and I put some sriracha on mine and uh, it was pretty good. Delicious even. And it looked w- good. It sounds good. I like Kung Pao chicken. I, I probably could have ordered more but I was trying to save room you know to continue going around. Many booths to see. Yeah. yeah. Also something there that I tried later in the day Jeremy and I both tried right? Yes. Yeah Jeremy and I both tried was the oolong peach or the peach oolong bubble tea. 
which this is more Japanese, I think, but you know, it's Asia and tea and stuff. So um, this is it's, it, it was a very good bubble tea. I don't like peach flavored things, but it wasn't like in your face peachiness, like like peach knee high or something. It was like just a little faint hint of See, it. See, if you wouldn't have told me there was peach in it, I probably would not have noticed. It was huh. very it was just milky, milky and tea. Yes, with the bubbles <laughs> yeah. and the tapioca. Just, if you can imagine just a sweet, milky tea with the tapioca pearls in the bottom. Now, what they did is they use a mixture in the bottom. They use a mixture of, like, uh, peach-flavored bobas, which if you go to, like, some frozen yogurt places, um, you'll see that as a topping, the little little kind of bubbles that have juice in them. They had those and the tapioca uh, pearls, which are a little chewy. Er, they're not. When Jamie, uh, Jamie, when Jeremy got one of the... Um, tapioca actual tapioca pearls in his mouth and it's kind of chewy he's like "Ooh, i got a bad bu- bubble <laughs> i thought I, I thought i got a bad batch or something because it was not popping in my mouth like the bubbles yeah the were. other ones you just barely put pressure on them they pop and there's juice inside the tapioca is like all right there's a little like fruit snack chew to it yeah. uh, but odd. it was very refreshing i could have ordered several of those but they were like five something you know dollars i think oh. they were good yeah. they really were I got something in China that is not a flower and garden, but it's there year-round, but I'd never tried it before. And I got the – it's called the Tipsy Ducks in Love. Now, this is a drink that's in one of the carts there. It's a creamy cold tea and coffee combo that is blended with chocolate, and you can get it as an alcoholic – as an alcohol version, not alcoholic version, but you can get it with alcohol and – then it has bourbon whiskey in it as well. Uh, so there's non-alcoholic and alcohol version. Wonderful. Huh. I mean, I've so heard of this. Good. Yeah, it sounds kind of weird to blend tea and coffee and chocolate together, but I don't know. It was delicious. Really. Not if you're Ina Garten. You know who Ina Garten is? No. On Food Network. No. She puts coffee in all her chocolate. I mean, coffee and chocolate makes sense, but to yeah. throw tea in there. Yeah, I think it's the, the combo of the three, but really good. A lot of sugar. It's got the whipped cream on top. Uh, I recommend it. Like a it's really excellent. dense frappuccino. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really yeah that's what it is. With tea. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Well, the tea, nothing came forward as much as the chocolate, really, I think, oh, when okay. I tried it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't okay. like, mm, coffee and tea. I think those just enhanced the chocolatiness and the that depth. Kind of like when you put chocolate in a cake, you don't, or coffee in a cake. You don't really taste the yeah. coffee, but it really enhances... Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, what's next? What's next? Uh, Calm down. Me out. <laughs> I'm, li- I'm living vicariously through you guys since I don't get to experience the booths. Well, you, you get a little disappointed when I come to America. Oh, yeah. The the pavilion, that is. Yes. <laughs> the country in general. We passed, <laughs> we passed by all the booths once. Like, went around the whole World Showcase once. And was kind of looking around looking at the menu, seeing what we wanted maybe to order, you know, when we came back around. Um, but when we came through America the second time, we stopped at their little pavilion, which was called the Smokehouse, and obviously it was barbecue, you know, themed and everything. So they had a real smoker out there, smoking the barbecue. You could smell it. It smelled delicious. I just think that I ordered, we ordered the wrong thing. The okay. smoker's we- name was Edna, and she was out there smoking like... <laughs> I bet she was. <laughs> Dad no. Yeah. Uh, we both ordered, for some reason, we both ordered the same thing. I think because it just sounded so good on the menu was this like beef. Do you have the name of it there? I do. It's beef brisket burnt ends hash with white yeah. cheddar fondue and pickled jalapenos. Doesn't that sound delicious? 
It does, and you tweeted out the picture, and it looked promising. Well, I was disappointed with the look of it because it, I didn't it, did, care about not, it. it did not look what I expected. I expected it to come on like a bun of some way. Oh. Hash. Yeah, but I yeah. still expected it to be like a Thanks. like a wrap or sandwich or something of that effect. But when it was just like, here you go, <laughs> it kind of... Yeah. You know, look very. Edna put this together back there for you. <laughs> yeah, it just burnt didn't... ends. Burnt ends can be good and then can be bad. And I actually think I had like two. <laughs> I think I had like one of each or two of each on my plate. Burnt ends are the, obviously what they sound like. They're the ends of the brisket that kind of are not as you know chunky and meaty as the middle part, but they just get all that good smokiness and the rub, and it just gets that good flavor on the outside. Two pieces I had were extremely dry and chewy, mm. like clearly burnt ends Mm -hmm. the other two i had were what they're supposed to be like not quite tender like you wouldn't call it like tender but you know fall apart in your mouth and it's got that good charcoaly meaty flavor to it the most disappointing part to me was when you call it hash you expect it to have like crisp fried potatoes underneath you know you want them to have the the crunch and the crust on the outside they were more like you know, like if you were to order like home fries at like Denny's or something. Every, mm. Everything at Disney World is bad. Always comes back to Denny's or Perkins. <laughs> so it's like ordering bad home fries at, or hash browns, if you will, at Denny's or Perkins. And they're just the kind that haven't been fried crisp. They're just kind of browned and then they're in a steamer all day long and they get soggy and nasty. That's just really what it was. And then some like nacho cheese sauce on top, characterized or disguised as fondue. It just... Everything was just, it was okay. And okay. and it said pickled jalapenos, but it was just, you know, jalapeno from a jar. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't anything special. Which is, I mean, that is pickled jalapenos, but yeah, nothing yeah. special. Yeah. The pork sliders they had there looked delicious, too. And I think that we probably should have gotten those. Because that yeah. was like a, you know, typical pork sandwich on a bun with slaw. And that might have been, um, I don't know, a little better. Yeah, but I understand. Because part of you says, okay, I've had a pork sandwich before, but I'm at, I'm at food and wine or whatever it's called. I need to try something new. So I understand. I probably would have gotten the hash as well. Now, your wife got something in Mexico, right? Jessica? You, you, know, you remember wife? your wife? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the one, the one you get? had a child with? She got school bread. Oh, she got one of the tacos. That's right. Yeah. Um, that was our like third time around. <laughs> yeah. She actually did stop at at in New Mexico. Uh, Hardin. I, I I spoke wrong the first time. Mexico has the first food booth. And oh, it was well, I wondered. Something. I wondered why Mexico wouldn't have anything. It was something in Spanish about a garden. Hardin de something fiesta or siesta. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it was like Mediga. They had. What kind of taco? Oh, it's the al pastor. It was just a typical al pastor yes. taco. Yeah, yeah. Like a wajillo marinated pork taco. Now, when I saw that, I'm thinking that's going to be like a 325 thing, like, you know, a little corn tortilla about that big, you know, a little bite. But it was 575. Mm. And it was one corn tortilla. I mean, you know, not very big, like a, like a silver dollar pancake almost, maybe yeah. slightly bigger, with the chicken. And it was good. I mean, I didn't. I don't think I even tried it. I think I tried a piece of chip pork on the side. It was good, but for five seventy-five, yeah. I would expect like at least two of them. You can get like six at Taco Bell. I was gonna say you yeah. get a whole volume meal at Taco Bell for that. They can get a whole box. You can get one of them boxes with the Dorito tacos. Because <laughs> you know that's the same. Uh, she said it was good, and she would like get it if yeah. it wasn't for that. You can go over to the um, Hacienda, the yeah, Seven yeah. Hell, the quick service, and order. You know, probably three tacos for. 
the meal for and what nine bucks? That's what I was about to guess. Yeah. And so, then didn't uh-huh. you get something in France? I was about to say. Now there's something at France that I want to try from all the pictures I've seen, and it's the macaron macaron. And it's like, and it's like the two strawberry ones, and it's got a strawberry marshmallow center. To me, that sounds really good. I did not do that when I got my thing from France. That was right before eliminations. I just went to the the pastry boulangerie uh, place and got my almond tart uh, that I love. I see. I just wanted something a little comforty at the end of the night. Yeah, I see. They had lots of other stuff, but you know, actually. Um, after the brisket thing, barbecue just has a way of kind of like making me kind of like, mm, I'm done. And I was just kind of done until dessert. So I, I was, I had plans on trying a few other things that just didn't transpire. Jessica thought that the, um, there was a pineapple place at the, yeah. where the, the promenade restaurant place usually is. Um, they were featuring things with pineapple and she actually thought that the, uh, there was a hot a pineapple hot dog that she thought sounded good. And I think it just had like pineapple chunks and a hot this. dog, yeah, and some other interesting ingredients, which sounded good. But we didn't uh, we didn't end up trying that either. Well, it sounds like a fun day. You guys packed a lot in. Yes, and, and we had the, the best spot for illuminations. There's Except like, for the mosquitoes. Yeah, there were some mosquitoes there for whatever reason. But right there in between China and Germany, uh, this like the little African outpost thing. There's a couple of tables. That are stationary, you can't move them. Uh, but it's like a little cove cut out yeah, of the sidewalk there, right next to a, a, a lantern. You don't get the clearest view of uh, the the Earth globe, globe yeah. because the island is there once it's in its place. But if you can sacrifice that, then it, it's perfect. And you can still see it. Yeah, you see it. It's just not a clear view because you have some tree trunks in the way. Okay. But we discovered that right by. There is a cannon for when some of the fireworks shoot off. Two times twice. it goes off. Right scared in front of you. the mess out of me the first time <laughs> yeah. it happened because it was just like boom. <laughs> <And you're> like, <laughs> <laughs> in fact, there were some well, children next to us and they about wet their. We kind of, I kind of thought it at first because as we were sitting there, we we probably parked it there about eight o'clock, so we were sitting there a good hour chilling and getting eaten by mosquitoes before the show started, and we saw one of the boats come by with some like some of the workers in like the vests, you know, clearly like the fireworks guys, and they were doing something like down there. It looked like you know they were plunging something in a cannon, you know, like with the thing like <laughs> doing that. I was like, I bet that the cannon thing is down there. And sure enough, like two times during the thing, it goes off right there. <gasps> yep, it is! <laughs> That's it! <laughs> but perfect spot. It's a great spot for illuminations. Very yep. cool. Good report, guys. Good report. It's time for another Match Hatter game! And now here's your Match Hatter host, Derek. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a new host for the game today. I am going to be pitting Jeremy against Matthew in a game I am calling Sound Familiar. I don't like it. It's too weird on this seat. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. (laughs) Well, you'll feel differently if you win. 
But oh, if you lose, I'm, I'm sure you'll glad to be uh, back in the host seat next week. But anyway, for this game, I'm going to read some dialogue from a Walt Disney World attraction. And you guys need to tell me what attraction that dialogue can be heard on. Oh. Now, I told you guys to bring buzzers of some sort. Do you have one with you by chance? When I ring in, you'll be hearing this sound. Okay, okay. Matt, what will we be hearing from you? I will either clap my hands or just shout. Okay. <laughs> I have a feeling shout will be what we hear, but... What if I ding on my soda can? That might work. All right. Let me try. Let me hear. Here we go. What if I do this? <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Sounds like you're trashing the camp on Tarzan. Yeah. Okay. So here's how it's going to work. There are 12 rounds. I'm oh going... And I don't think it'll take as long as you think. If it does, we will cut some of those rounds. <laughs> but... I will try to not you. I will try to speak in my normal voice rather than taking on the inflection of the person saying this. Like Alex Trebek when he reads the rap categories on. Oh Jeopardy. no! Are you serious? <laughs> yes. Oh, it's awesome. That's amazing. Um, I, yes, I will be like that, and I will read the quotes. And they, I've tried to make it to where it starts out a little bit difficult, then gets easier. But I think you'll probably get them pretty early. And how it works is, if you're the one who buzzes in first, I will call on you. If you get it right, then you get first dibs at the bonus question related to that attraction. If you miss the bonus question, then the other person can get the point instead. He can get just the bonus point or he gets the whole point? No, just the bonus point. If you buzz in first and get that answer, that point is yours. Okay. Okay? Are we ready? Yes, yes. Okay, number one, first to buzz in, gets to answer. Can I hear six? Who makes it six? Jeremy. Pirates of the Caribbean. That is correct. Woo! Beach at your own attraction. That's right. (laughs) Okay, now, Jeremy, your bonus question related to Pirates of the Caribbean. Fill in the blank. I'm not sponging for rum. It be blank I'm after. It be gold I'm after. That is correct. All yeah, right. Round one that's a in. happy meal question. Oh, uh, well, I'm sorry. I didn't, listen, I didn't want to repeat Jeremy's lyric game, okay? <laughs> uh, we don't know. <laughs> Number two. My name is Patrick, and I will be your chief flight attendant today. Jeremy. And, of course, the answer is Soren. That is correct. Of course. Suck it, Price! Yeah! I did ding in. And this is why we don't let Jeremy play the games. <laughs> no, Matt, I did hear you buzz in, but just a second after Jeremy, so I had to give to him. Whatever. Okay, your bonus question. After telling smaller aviators how to buckle their belts properly, Patrick looks at the boy, gives a thumbs up, and says, Nice work, blank. What does he call him? Nice work. I see it in my head. I see the goofy-looking man with the Mickey Mouse ears. Nice work. I'm going to say, nice work, Captain. I'm sorry. That's incorrect. Oh. Matt, do you know the answer? Oh, I'm in the same position. It's like, yes, I hear him, but I can't say it. Um, nice work, Ace. Now he says, nice work, pal. Oh, So pal. no one gets the bonus point. How's that for your Happy Meal question? That's when he does the smile. <laughs> yeah, and everybody chuckles in the room. Oh, crunk. All right, number three, buzzers ready. Please move as far to the end of the row as possible. Stopping in the middle is distinctly unpatriotic. 
Jeremy, I heard your bell first. And of course, the answer is Muppet Vision 3D. That is correct. Man, this is so sad because I don't get to read all the other quotes that I have lined up, like a salute to all nations, but mostly America. You are correct. It was Muppet Vision 3D. And your bonus question is this. Sam the Eagle says, it's a glorious three-hour finale. Kermit replies, you got how long? It's a glorious three-hour finale. You got a... A minute and a half? Yeah, very good. Woo, okay. (laughs) All right, we're going into round four, and the score is five, two, not five. Number four. If you should decide to join us, final arrangements, Matthew. Haunted Mansion. That is correct. Final arrangements may be made at the end of the tour. Dented my can on that one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, pause so Matt can get a new can. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, bonus question. Now, I will raise your safety bar, and a ghost will what? Follow you home. Okay, quit making faces at me. You're losing, <laughs> all right? You can make fun of the quiz all you want. I've rang in every time but the first one. Okay. Um, he did not complete that quote. Yeah, he did. It's a ghost will follow you home. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeremy loses a point for that one. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Number five, buzzer's ready. Please place your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Please place your eyes into the center of the room that is. Jeremy. The enchanted tiki room. (laughs) That's correct. (sighs) Please place your eyes into the center of the room that is. Anyway, something like that. Okay, bonus question. Pierre says, My voice may not be so marvelous, but my what is out of this world? My profile. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness! He's out of this world. This is why, this is also why Jeremy does the quizzes because he knows yes. way too much about this universe. Okay, I, I'm so lonely. <laughs> Number six. Por favor, mantengase. <laughs> Sorry, Matt, but Jeremy buzzed in just a oh, half second sooner. Delay. I called delay. It's because oh. I'm multi-bilingual. I know this. The, of course, the answer is the monorail. That is correct. Your bonus question. Fill in the blank. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and remain clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no blank, please. Well, no a lot of things, but... um, (laughs) It's like the match game. uh, I'm going to say no eating, drinking, and smoking. I'm sorry, that is not correct. For the comfort of others, no blank, please. No smoking, please. That is correct. Uh, I was going to give him a chance. Yeah, you can't can't just throw every verb in there. (laughs) Okay. No flash photography. Yeah, see, see, could have been anything. (laughs) No flash photography on the monorail. It's a little outrageous. That's a universal rule right there. Okay, mm. the score is 8-3 to three in Jeremy's favor. Round number seven. We can't leave these people here like this. Matt? Oh, gosh. Uh-oh. It's one of those where it just left. We can't leave people... Oh, uh, Rock and Roll Coaster. That is correct. Oh, uh, I, I was stumped on that one. I didn't yeah. get it. Mm-hmm. I heard it you, in my you were definitely going to get it after the next few. <laughs> but anyway, we'll skip those and move on to the bonus. One of the band members says, Hey, blank, can you grab my black Les Paul? What's the name of the crew member to whom he is speaking? Chris. Yeah, good job. Wow, very good. That's good, yeah. (laughs) I'm impressed. Okay. You gotta watch it every time. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I know. You can't bypass it. Number eight. Progress City was the inspiration for Epcot, and many of its... That would be Jeremy. And of course, no, it wasn't. And of course, the answer is the TTA. Yes, that the is... The Tomorrow Transit Authority People Mover. Tomorrowland. Tomorrow Transit Tomorrowland Transit yes. Authority People Your wrong. bonus question. <laughs> Fill in the blank. Welcome aboard the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover. Your quiet and carefree blank in the sky. Your quiet and carefree... You're quiet and carefree. Ah. <laughs> You're quiet and carefree. You, do you have Tourette's? <laughs> <laughs> ah. um, oh my goodness. I, I'm going to just throw out a guess, see if it sticks. I'm going to say you're quiet and carefree transportation. No. Matt, do you want me to read the question again? No, it's highway. That is correct. Oh. Highway in the sky. Dang, I should have known that one. Mm-hmm. Number nine. In a moment, you'll be going live to our control center, Matthew. Dinosaur. Very good. That was super fast. Wow, very good. Yeah, we just wrote that. A tour that will convince you forever that the future is truly in the past. Well, is this is funny because on, on last Monday when we wrote it like twice, you know... I kept thinking, why does she keep saying live? And I, I, and I kept forgetting that we go live with the camera. So that was in my head. And, of course, my favorite quote from that attraction, flash photography, I wouldn't. It alters the homing signal, and that's not that's good. That's not good. But your bonus question is this. What's the name of the dinosaur we have been tasked with retrieving? The name or the type? Well, the, the kind of dinosaur. Not like Frank. Like <laughs> Iguanodon. Yes. Samuel the Iguanodon. Wow, Matt. Well, it's technically Aladar, right? From Dinosaur. Oh, Dinosaur, maybe yeah. so. I have not seen that film. Uh, don't waste your time. You need to. Uh, that's what I figured. <laughs> What's okay. the score? The score is oh. Jeremy 9, Matthew 8. Oh! Very close. Round number 10. In your face. <laughs> In my PD. In my PD. Yeah. Okay. I should get going because I'm supposed to be dinner. I mean, have dinner with friends. We should get some fog in here. Always nice to spice up a dream sequence with fog. Jeremy. L was me. And, and of course the answer is Ellen's Energy Adventure. That is correct. All right, Jeremy, your bonus question is this. The final Jeopardy answer is this is the one source of power that will never run out. What is the correct question which Ellen provides to win the game? Does that make sense? Answer question because yes. it's yeah, Jeopardy. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the one source of power that will never run out. Do I have to say it exactly, or can I get it the general idea? I will decide after you give your answer. Okay, I'm going to say the human brain? That is incorrect. Matthew, do you know the answer? What is brain power, Alex? That is correct. Ah, come on! I was going (laughs) to give it to you if he didn't know. Brain power, yes. Okay, two left, and we have a very close game. Number 11. Who, boy, hottest 4th of July we've had in years? Matt. 
Parasella Progress. That is correct. It is nine to nine. And your bonus question is this. In the final scene, the father sets the temperature to 375 degrees. At two other points, the temperature rises because Jimmy shouts out his grandma's score in the game they are playing. Name either of the two numbers, he says. Oh, my word. I'm going to go with 500. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Mm. Jeremy, do you have an answer? 475. No, it is 550 and 975. Oh, so I guess that was a little such too tough. awkward numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. It's a little too tough. Okay, number twelve. Final question, and we have a tie game. Oh lord! Mm. <laughs> Hold on to those wallets and purse, Jeremy. And of course, the answer is Big Thunder Mountain. I am so sorry. That is not correct. Ah! I will finish the quote. This is like every. Attraction and you buzz in. Go ahead, finish. I it's my turn. Yeah, I'll finish this quote, and if you can't get it, then I'll start with the next quote, and you can both buzz in again. Okay. Okay. Hold on to those wallets and purses, folks. This doesn't look like a very good neighborhood. Uh, great movie ride. That. Dang it. It's correct. <laughs> and Matt, your bonus question is this: Before well, I can steal this, I can steal this. I have a feeling he's gonna know it. I'm so sorry. Maybe not that. <laughs> So sorry, finish, finish this sentence. Before we do wrap this production, we still have one more scene to do. It's called what? It's called the. Your it's called tour, the finale. Your tour guide says. No! 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 No editorial. That is incorrect. Huh, Jeremy? It's called the exit. That. It's correct, which means we have a tie game. So, okay. We're going to go back to Ellen's Energy Adventure, and I'm going to read this quote and ask you to fill in the blank with a number. The one who guesses closest, and whether you go under or over does not matter, the closest guest will, excuse me, the closest guest will break the tie and win the game. Okay. Before you enter the theater, you hear this. You will only be standing for approximately eight minutes, after which you will be comfortably seated in our traveling theater for the remaining how many minutes of our show? Write down your answers, please. You will only be standing for approximately eight minutes, after which you will be comfortably seated in our traveling theater for the remaining how many minutes of our show? All right. Jeremy, hold up your answer. He says... I said 45. Okay, and Matt, you said 37. The correct, excuse me, the correct answer is 32. Which ah! means, in a very close game, Matt takes it with 12 points to Jeremy's 11. Oh, Jeremy. So far, so fast. My, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> Steve, take us out. That's been another Mad Chatter game! Join us next time, same Mad Chatter time, same Mad Chatter podcast. Thank you.
few weeks, but we're going to jump back into our series on animated films and their representation in the parks. Last time we started with Snow White and went all the way through, I believe it was Ichabod and Mr. Toad, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, now we are into the 1950s and we start with a big one um, in every sense of the word big because in the center of Magic Kingdom is an ode to this film and that is Cinderella. Now, I don't want to assume, but is this the first thing you think of when you think of Cinderella and Walt Disney World, the castle? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And Cinderella's royal table, which is inside the castle. That's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. Now, we've talked about this before, but that restaurant formerly called King Stephen's Banquet Hall. Royal Banquet Hall. Yeah, which is so strange because he's not even Cinderella's dad. He's Aurora's dad. But mm, he just has a restaurant there. He bought out the property. I guess so. <laughs> so yeah. She leases it out to him to serve all of her guests. Wait, have you guys ever eaten at that restaurant, Cinderella's Royal Table? I ate at King Stephen's when it was that. Okay. Was it expensive and popular back then, too? I, I mean, I was like 10, okay. and it wasn't princess dining. It was just like you get to eat in the castle. It reminded me a lot at that time. Uh, not not with the games and all, but the food and everything was very much like medieval times, like okay. that kind of thing. They brought like the little tin plate, not tin, like iron plates out with like vegetables and turkey and all this stuff. And you had like big uh, like iron, not iron, you know, tin goblet kind of things. Yeah, yeah. It was very medieval feeling like that, but it wasn't the character thing. I, it was expensive, yeah. But I was a kid, so I didn't care. My parents paying. Are you interested in ever eating there? I mean, I know you have a daughter now, but even besides that? Well, yeah, maybe when she gets old enough to appreciate, and if she likes the princesses, you know, who knows? That's so true. that would be something we would do, of course, obviously. Yeah. I would love the chance to go back up in there. It just always is too awkward for me and you guys, or even me and my wife, to go up there for a princess dining thing. Right. I think that's where I sit. Like, I would really like a chance to eat inside the castle at some point, but with the price and the fact that you have to talk to princesses and there's just, I don't know, I'm, I, I, I have yet to go, but it is something that one day I would like to experience. I never feel awkward, so let's go. All right. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. Um, I've heard that the food in recent years was not good, but I saw something recently. I don't know if they did a menu change or what, but I heard that it was getting better. Well, that's good. But to hear. again, I don't think you go there for the food. I think right. you go there for the atmosphere. But yes. the same on the same token, if you're going to go there to eat and you're going to spend that money, all that money, you expect it to be at least better than like Pecos Bill's Tall Tale Inn, you know? Very true. Yeah. Very true. So. But you're that's there. hard. <laughs> right. I mean, I, yes. I, I aimed high on that one when I said that. Yeah. But as far as Cinderella goes, when you look at terms of the of the company, this really was a turning point because as we ended our last podcast that we talked about these things the world war ii was going on the company was really in just survival mode and then the war ends and walt is able to pick up and make another full-length animated feature that is not just pieced together parts of smaller features which he had done for the past 10 years before so it really is uh the 1950s are the golden age of disney animation and well, you'll see why as we mention these names, but Cinderella definitely leads the way. And interesting to think that um, Snow White was the first princess, and the, the company now known for princess films from 1937 until 1950, Snow White's the only princess in the, in the whole shebang. I don't That's know true. what word I'm saying. Well, so. yeah, but even then, Sleeping Beauty 
in 59, wasn't she the last princess before Ariel? In before Ariel? Yeah. yeah, so you have what no, is no, no, become... 90, 89, 89. 89. So you have these princesses as being iconic. Uh, you know, we think now Disney Disney Company, you automatically think princess. But there for the longest time, there was not well, that many. That's because it's our generation, and that's what they're... Uh, you know, you, you, they grew up on... Um, uh, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and they capitalized on the princess thing they already had going. So sure. for the last 20 years, that's what it has been. Yeah. But Cinderella, in my opinion, uh, second only to Pinocchio in terms of just, uh, in my mind, capturing the Disney feel mm. in a movie and also what has been brought to the parks. We talked about Pinocchio and uh, Jiminy Cricket's kind of like the MC for everything. And uh, When You Wish Upon a Star is the the theme song for the company. I would say second only to that is Cinderella and um, A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes, mm. which makes it uh, – actually, that's not in Wishes, is it? That was in the, the one they did for the summer and the one they did for the Pirate and Princess Party. I can't think of a time when it's played in the park. No, but it definitely is a theme of the company. You're right. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Jesse sings it there at the end of uh, the concert in Full House when they're <laughs> at Walt Disney World. So it's iconic for me. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> when Danny proposes. Oh, really? Magic Kingdom is Cinderella's kingdom, right? That's like the whole premise there. Am I wrong? Well, at least Fantasyland. Fantasyland. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. I remember when we met Tiana and what's his face. Naveen. Um, we said, we love your kingdom or something like that. And she was like, well, th- we're just in Cinderella's kingdom or we're visiting Cinderella or something like that. Um, She's wrong. She got briefed wrong. Well, we might have been in Fantasyland, to her credit. That's the way I've always seen it anyway, because Cinderella Castle is like the gateway to Fantasyland. I don't see it as like, oh, all Cinderella, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, well, I have some fun facts about the castle. Do you want to hear them? Yes, we do. Yes. Okay, Jeremy, the king of fun facts, so I'm sure he already knows all these. Well, this one you do know. Inside the archway are those five mosaic murals on either mm-hmm. side of you that tell Cinderella's story. They took 22 months to complete, and they contain more than 300,000 pieces of Italian glass in 500 different colors. Did not know there were 500 different colors, but there you go. And if you look closely at the stepsisters, one is said to be red with anger and the other green with envy. And I don't know if that was the original intent, but you can tell that they use greenish glass for one and red for the other. Um, The castle contains 27 towers, and they are numbered 1 through 29. And the reason they did that is because after they, like, drew it out and sketched it, they realized that two of the towers wouldn't even be seen from any angle, so they just cut those out. But they were like... It was like numbers 13 and 17 or something like that. So they still had to keep it 1 through 29. And so there you go. Um, it's mostly concrete with some fiberglass. There are no stones or bricks used, even though that is what it appears to be made of. Uh, the tallest spire is the highest point in Magic Kingdom. It's the gold one with the flag on top. Okay, now you know the you may have heard this. But apparently during the Keys to the Kingdom tour, which neither of you have taken, right? I think okay. Matt did, didn't you? Oh. No, I did backstage magic, which oh. might have taken me here, but... Okay, well, this is the fountain that's out to the side. There's the Cinderella statue, and then all around her are little short water fountains. And then behind mm-hmm. the statue is the castle itself, and painted on the wall is a mural with this gold crown on the top. And they, they say that the purpose is that from any angle, if you bend down to one of the fountains and get a drink, it looks like the crown is sitting on the statue's head. 
And so it's like you're quote-unquote bowing to Cinderella, which normally I would mm. say that's one of those things Wikipedia <laughs> said because it's cutesy, but they apparently the guide says that on the tour. There's yeah, a, I've there's heard a that. little like from the eyes of a child. Right. When you look at it as an adult, it looks like her head's down and she's sad. But when you're a child and you're looking up at her face, she's smiling. And the mural that's painted behind her, there's a crown that's sitting on her head. Yes. But if you're looking at her, your back is to the castle. This oh. is what it looks like. It's Derek. just on one of those storefronts. It's on one of those storefronts back yes, there. Yes, I know, but what's that mural painted on? Oh, it's a storefront. Okay. Yeah, a store. One of the stores. Yeah, yeah. It's think... next to one of those uh, portals, Magic Kingdom sorcerer things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the castle, when you look at the fountain, the castle's like to your left. Gotcha. Okay. Ish. But regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there. That was the purpose there. Um, and I have you guys seen the, the little statues of like Gus Gus? And the squirrel and, like, the little creatures, like, up among the columns once you walk inside. I've actually seen pictures of this, but I've never taken time to notice it in the park. But, like, once you walk under the archway, you can look up, and up by one of the columns is, like, a life-size mouse eating little bits of cheese, and it's Gus Gus. Huh. But, yeah, you should look up pictures, because it's pretty cool, and it's like, well, of course they would do that. Yeah. Her little woodland creature friends. It's kind of um, odd, because that's really not the best a small thing, but that's really the only, um, except for the Main Street Electrical Parade. You know, there's a, a pretty lengthy Cinderella portion in that with um, the clock tower and her in the carriage and uh, all the little mice. And then I guess, um, well, the carousel used to be called Cinderella's Royal Carousel, right? Or Cinderella's Golden Carousel. And now it's Prince Charming Regal Carousel. Yeah. Yeah. So. And apparently one of the horses is Cinderella's horse. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, there you go. Now, of course, in we've talked about this, but on for his 25th birthday, for a year and three months, the, cast, the castle was transformed into a cake. The castle. The, the castle. Cakel. What do you do with it? <laughs> oh, jeepers. Now, I read this online that it's reported that over 200 weddings that were planned at Magic Kingdom were canceled <laughs> while oh. the castle was transformed oh. into the cake. <laughs> so that's the Hey, but I thought that, now listen, I'm, I was a regular, but I thought it was pretty awesome. You were also nine. <laughs> I was 11. 95? Okay, yeah, you were right. six. Yeah. I mean, it's a feat that they could do that. I mean, it looks it's, it's unrecognizable. Yeah, but why do you want it to look unrecognizable when it's so cool the way it looks? I well, be awesome. I I mean it's nice, but definitely tacky, and definitely in today's world with Twitter and message boards and everything else, it would not ever happen. No. I mean, look at what's happening right now with the Disneyland castle oh, and the backlash. So. Yeah, they just need to stop messing with the castles in general. Just stop, yeah. unless you're going like, to prove. Why? Did, why is that the thing you do? Yeah, let's just put crap all over the castle. Well, then, then back when Stitch's Great Escape opened, they had they like decorated it with toilet paper. Toilet paper. I'm like, like come on, TV. yeah. And they wrote like Stitch something on Stitch's Stitch's King. King. Yeah, Stitch's, Stitch's King. King. Yeah, it's like come uh, on, what are you doing? Yeah, let's not forget probably the most uh, fortuitous addition that Cinderella has brought to the parks. And that is the Bippity Boppity Boutique. Yes. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Transforming little girls into princesses every day. And prostitutes. Those magical words, <laughs> Bippity Boppity Boo, from the fairy godmother. Obviously, 
putting glitter in children's hair. Yeah. Now, creating dozens and dozens of sweaty, sweaty princesses every day. Do you guys think that there's enough Cinderella in the parks, or do you think more Cinderella is needed? I think I it's, think it's fine. just right. Yeah. So no Cinderella dark rides? It almost makes her feel more regal um, and more prestigious, the fact that she has this castle, but you don't really... And you see her character sometimes, but she doesn't have, like, a bad attraction named after her. Here's or, the thing. When I think about dark rides, this isn't going to make any sense probably to you, but I, and I can explain it. The dark rides don't work so much if there's not... Uh, a serious – I now listen. I know there's a fairy godmother and a carriage and all this stuff. That's fantastical. I know. There's not really good stuff for Dark Ride unless the movie has fantasy elements in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like even though Pinocchio is majorly human-based, you know, there's still like out-of-this-world kind of scenes like going under the water and Pleasure, uh, Pleasure Island and uh, – monstro and all of these things to me it just seems like if the movie is too real like a sleeping beauty or cinderella it just wouldn't work as a dark ride it would just be hmm. kind of flat yeah it would really have to focus on the mice to give it that cutesy yeah. charming yeah but i'm yeah. picturing like now that you say that i i agree with what you're saying however i can see a dark ride where it opens she's you know being mistreated by her uh stepmother then you have the whole transformation scene, and then she's at the ball, and then you could almost do a like a fun added scene of her like running, you know what I mean, like uh, through the woods, and she's running home because as the clock is striking, and you could extend that, and the prince is chasing her, and and then the final scene of the wrap up of of her being found out. Okay, yeah, I mean it's possible, but I, I do think it, they have enough of her. Now, have you guys ever... Enough of her! <laughs> We've done this. But also in the castle... Man, they packed a lot in this castle. Have you guys been... I don't think so. Up to the Dream Suite? No. Okay. No. In fact, just yesterday I was having a conversation with uh, someone, and they were saying, how much is it to rent the, the uh-huh. hotel room there in the castle? And I was like, well... And they're like, no, there's one there. And I was like, I know there's one there, but <laughs> it's not something you can just call up and say, I'd yeah. like to uh, it's not observe on the, that. It's, it's not on the reservation site. Like, <laughs> Is that no. a value? Is that a value? <laughs> st- <laughs> uh, can you imagine? It would be like eight-year wait or something. Oh, man. It would be ridiculous, but totally worth it. <laughs> yeah. We'd pull in all our money and have like nine people sleeping in that room. <laughs> I would eat ramen for like 10 years if I could. So Yeah, apparently it is very nice inside. Yeah, yeah you can see videos and things. People have posted pictures and videos online. Uh, it's very well done. You know, it's, it's, it's that medieval, gaudy feel, you know. So it's not something you want in your own house. It seems but, pretty small. Well, It seems very ornate but very small, and the ceilings are very um, low. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they only have limited space. The castle is not as big as what you would think it is. Right. Right. Using the forced perspective, so. It's true. And they've got a restaurant in there, and they have to have changing rooms for the stage shows and stuff like that, so. Um, Now, we've mentioned this before, but over at Grand Floridian Resort, they have 1900 Park Fair, where you can meet Cinderella, Prince Charming, the stepmother, and the stepsisters. Mm. All at lunch and dinner. So, which is interesting because they have really uh, become one of the more well-known character greets at Walt Disney World. Which they're not uh, like huge villains, but I think it's just because they're fun villains. Yeah, they that are. they, that they uh, come on out, you know, and they're ugly. Usually, they <laughs> now they also were in the um, that 
that stupid dessert hundred dollar party they added on to Halloween the Halloween party, isn't it? And the sinister soiree. Yes. Weren't they eating in there? I believe so. Uh, yeah, I think so. Anastasia and Drizella. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Um Ocker shoes probably as well, I assume. Cinderella? Does she meet in there? Uh, I wanna say yes. Okay. I know there are princesses there. Yeah. Oh yeah, Cinderella meets in the um she also meets at the Princess Fairy Tale Hall there behind Right, right, right. All the time. Her and Rapunzel, and then Anna and Elsa on the other side. Yeah. So there you go. And she's Cinderella. ugly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's move on to the next year, 1951, when one of Jeremy's favorite films was released, and that is Alice in Wonderland. Yes. Alice in Wonderland, released with a special by Walt Disney. Uh, they had a whole big thing on TV to promote the film. And surprisingly was a box office failure. Huh. Yep. But has lasting charm to those of us who enjoy the film. And quite a bit of presence in the parks as well. Yes. Oh, more yeah. than what you would think. Uh, more than Cinderella. Cinderella. More than Cinderella, exactly. Uh, most notably out at Disneyland. Of course, they have the Alice uh, Dark Ride there. But on both coasts, and I'm probably in every park if I, I didn't look this up, but the Mad Tea Party. That's funny that you say that because I did look that up, and in Paris, it's in every park. And in Paris, it's actually called Mad Hatter's Teacups. Okay. And in Hong Kong, it's Mad Hatter Teacups. So Uh. I thought that was kind of interesting. Teacup! Teacup ride! (laughs) Teacup ride! Spin, spin! Uh, Yeah, the teacups. And it's your classic, you know, um, county fair attraction where you get in and you spin. But when you add that Disney touch, it just makes it. Yeah. I always think all of those strawberries. You ever, it's like the, at the one in my hometown anyway. It was like little strawberries you got oh, in uh-huh. and you spun. Yeah, I've seen yeah. bears, you know, things like that. But it is that you got the little turning wheel in the middle. And now in Disneyland, that one is open on top. Now that mm-hmm. means they have to shut it down in heavy rain. But it's really cool because they have the lanterns and it's really neat. Yeah. But in Disney World. Because it is covered, they did add the the teapot in the center where, like, the dormouse yeah. pops his head out. And that's not in Disneyland. That's always nice. Yeah, yeah. So Uncovered, kind of and they have to close it down for heavy rain. So that's, like, twice a year? Yeah. <laughs> Southern California? <laughs> Something like Oof. that, yeah. I don't... I, this would probably be underwhelming if I actually went there. But the, um, the little labyrinth hedge maze at the Disneyland Paris um, park always looked very interesting to me. As part of their fantasy land. And I'm sure it would be like, oh, this is boring. But, you know, typical hedge maze. But it's really done up with the Disney stuff and props from the – not props, but um, scenery from the movie and things like that throughout. Yeah. I would like to see more Alice in the Park here. I bet you at, would. In fantasy land. Just throwing that out there to mm-hmm. the universe. Well, now, we have met Alice in the Mad Hatter. But yes. I have seen pictures of Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Have either of you seen them? Yes. Something makes me think that weren't they out? Or they maybe they were in the parade for the Halloween party. Was that it? They were, and they were in the parade. I know the, I've seen them. Okay. They were in the afternoon parade that was before Festival of Fantasy, and the one previous to that. Celebrate something. Yes, they were in that. Now, interesting thing about Tweedledee and Tweedledum, they disappeared from the parks for a while. Oh yes. And the story goes something about when Michael Eisner first took over. He was in the parks, and he saw Tweedledee and Tweedledum, and they kind of looked... They looked like mongoloids. There you go. That was the word I was looking for. Which is a feature of uh, many people with 
some disabilities. Like a, like an autism kind of a thing, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And he made the comment that they looked like that and that they could be offensive or something to that. But it was just like an offhand comment. Well, some do-gooder in the Disney company took that as, we got to get rid of Tweedledee and Tweedledum. And so they like got them rid of them everything. No Tweedle meet and greets, no uh, mentions in the rides or cutouts, anything. Gone. And then it was like years and years later that somebody was like, whatever happened to the Tweedles? And they were like, we cut them. And they were like, no, bring them back. That's not what he meant at all. And so uh, they brought them back. They should have brought back the hip-hop Tweedles from Adventures in Wonderland. (laughs) Without a doubt, the best reincarnation of they Alice They parachute pants and the, uh, uh, the little chains. And they wrapped, yes. And backwards hats. Listen, oh Adventures word. in Wonderland, forget Tim Burton's version, forget yes. uh, any other reincarnation. Adventures in Wonderland was where it was at. Yeah, And it's not even on DVD. Not on DVD. But you know what those wrapping Tweedledee and Tweedledum remind me of? The Mad Tea Party, which was at Disneyland, is now not at Disneyland, but will come back to Disneyland. And this is every Friday night over at Disney California Adventure. It's basically like they have a live band play, and then they have really strange characters walk around. And there's lots of alcohol and black lights. Listen, mm. this is Disney's version of saying, without explicitly saying, they're saying, come and trip acid at Disneyland. <laughs> like, yeah. really, that's it what they're saying. It was so bizarre. Come and Crunk. enjoy the rave. Come have fun. It's going to be crazy. It was interesting. I think the motto is actually, come get turn up at Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> it's in all their promotional material. and Yeah. yeah. All was... the old people are like, what? Just turned up. <laughs> okay, now, you guys know I think about food a lot. So I want to know if you've ever had this. At the Cheshire Cafe, I want to say? Yeah. They have those little cake cups. Have you seen these? I've never had them, It no. looks like a little punch cup at a wedding, but it's basically like a layered cupcake. So you've got a thin layer of like yellow cake and then just a ton of frosting and then cake and then frosting mm-hmm. and it's layered all the way to the top to where it's overflowing. And I think it looks good. Maybe a little too sweet, but... That's, That's only been the Cheshire Cafe or whatever it is. It's only been that for a couple of years, I think. Okay. I knew the cake cups were new. I didn't realize the whole place was new. It was something else called... It was Minute Maid, something or another before that. Okay. Enchanted... It's um, if you're at the tea party and you're gonna go walk to, um, not even walking left to Tomorrowland, like to the uh, race cars, but if you're gonna go around the castle on the left side or the right side, by it, the it just brave sits, by the Merida, yes, yes, by Merida. okay, yes, okay. Yeah. It used to be the Enchanted Grove or something, and now it's Cheshire Cafe. Well, yeah, I understand. Understand. They added an Alice in Wonderland re- uh, also, reference. Alice in Wonderland is heavily featured in the Main Street Electrical Parade with the Caterpillar and ah, I think yes. the Cheshire Cat to some extent and Alice sitting on a mushroom uh-huh. uh, and all the little critters around her. She has the most annoying dialogue in that parade. If you listen to the soundtrack for the parade, Hello, Mr. Caterpillar! Hello, Mr. Snail! Like, somebody take Alice out. <laughs> and also the most random Alice reference in the entire park is the Candy Trail... That is never used oh, except yes. during the Halloween party. That is between Storybook Circus and Frontierland. I mean, uh, Tomorrowland has yeah. the wooden <laughs> cutouts of yeah. the cards that look like something at your local yeah, it's vacation like Bible a school. haunted trail. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that are just standing out in the yard, held up by a stick. 
yeah. with a spotlight shining on it. So yep, yep. for it's like we need something right there. But how much money we got? I don't know, like fifty bucks. Okay, got you know, fifty dollars. I'll go to the woodshop. Here you go. Go to Michael's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for whatever reason they're there, they don't even fit because you're going between Storybook Circus and Tomorrowland. It's not even really Fantasyland. Yeah, but that's where you. That's where we met Mad Hatter and Alice, though. Oh, that is true. You're yeah. right. That is where they. I were. think that's why yeah. they do that. You can also meet the White Rabbit, uh, not during the Halloween party that I know of, but he's available. He can be out by the teacup sometimes with Alice. And somebody that you cannot meet that I've seen in the United States, but overseas, is the Cheshire Cat and the March Hare. And oh, wow. I would like to meet both of oh, them. Oh, man. I'd like to meet Mr. Walrus. I saw him the other week when we were doing the character show. Yeah. And I, they gave us that website with all those pictures, and there yes. was actually a Mr. Walrus character. Why? Wow. Did, if there was a Mr. Walrus and a Carpenter I'd love them together. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're just going to pass over the fact that Matt just said Wallace. Wallace. <laughs> Wallace. <laughs> Are we just going to let that go? Okay. I was going to let it slide. excited about the walrus. I want to meet the uh, the caterpillar as well, and I want him to be smoking a hookah when I go up. I just think that would be awesome. And then pass it to you for a little puff. You know, it's funny. Yes, and everybody, everybody who meets him, he just looks and says... And who are you? You know, Bob Iger, didn't he just make something about there being no smoking in Disney movies? He did. Oh, was yeah. that like the thing? But if you look at the Main Street Electrical Parade, he's smoking the hookah thing. Uh-huh. Um, all the pipes and cigars in Pleasure Island's floats. Yeah. He doesn't know what the, what's on those, though. He's yeah. never seen it. And, and probably <laughs> just from here on out. I can't imagine them going through. Listen, yeah. I hope they don't go through and digitally erase things out of classic animated films. Cause no, the no. Listen, they thought the Song of the South backlash was bad. <laughs> Just <Yeah>. wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's move on to 1953 when... Now, Matt, I think this is your favorite film, right? We're talking about Peter Pan. It's my favorite animated film, yes. Right, right. That's what I mean, yeah. I remember being in college, and this was re-released. Peter Pan re-released on DVD for the yep. first time in a while. And Matt going and purchasing it and literally watching Peter Pan every night for mm. the next like three years. It was probably what was that somebody just posted a picture from that era in my life the other day I think it's eight years ago isn't it yeah yes. eight years ago. about seven I six. remember we were about to go to New York on a trip with the college that we were going to and I went to Walmart like the day before and got it and I brought my portable DVD player on that trip to New York just to watch Peter Pan like every day yeah. Because you know you needed portable DVD players then to watch the movies. You didn't watch them on anything <laughs> yeah, else. Yeah, well, you you think smoking cigarettes is bad. Wait till you see uh, Peter Pan, where they basically get high off of the peace pipe. Oh, yeah. So, well, uh, definitely an offensive. Was Captain Hook with his two-pronged cigar smoker. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Two cigars at once. <laughs> this is how you smoke, kids. Yeah. Definitely set in another time and made in another time and another generation a lot of offensive stereotypes Mm -hmm. uh but charming to say the least and it um resulted in my favorite dark ride at the disney parks which is peter pan's flight love Love that attraction the more i ride it yes and that is at least at disney world i mean things are different in disneyland so i don't know how things work out there Did, did you all find peter pan's flight there to be as crazy as it is here as far as wait times and popularity no. Well, we went at a slower time, but I. You remember the day we went to Fantasyland first, 
and that line was already way out past the rails because people went yeah. there first. Okay. Uh, you can do a you can do a slow day here, and it's still going to be sixty minutes. And I don't know if that's it might not be popularity as much as it is just the ride system and getting people on and off. Yeah. Um, Which is funny because at Disneyland, it's not. Um, constantly moving like it is at Disney World. You know, at Disney World, like you have to hop on because it never stops. But Disneyland, it's not like that. Yeah, huh. mm-hmm. I do love Peter Pan. And I, now I said earlier that second only to Pinocchio was Cinderella as far as like the the Disney image in the parks. I would say Peter Pan is very closely, in my mind, very closely tied to um, Cinderella or really a close third. And it kind of goes back and forth. And when I think Disney, the Disney parks, theme songs, like You Can Fly, You Can Fly, You Can Fly, The Second Star to the Right, all those great, wonderful Disney songs. And Neverland itself is really like, you know, Disney World, going yeah. to a Disney park. It's like that whole idea. Absolutely. And we all grow up. part of that is a character that you all don't care for as much, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And that is Tinkerbell, who Modern has – Okay, modern Tinkerbell. I'll give you that. No, but she has... it's the film version that annoys me. I don't mind her in the film. She's snooty. Modern and all this stuff. Yeah, this is who she's supposed to be. I guess. But she has made herself up to the level of a Jiminy Cricket as far yeah. as being a part of that. And that goes back to, I mentioned in the other podcast, how they didn't want to use Mickey Mouse originally when the television came up. So they used Jiminy Cricket and Tinkerbell. If you yeah. watch those old Disneyland shows with Walt... Uh, she's in the opening credits and flying about and that's and, what, and for at least um, which TV show was it? I mean, I know it was all basically the same TV show. Disneyland became um, the Disneyland show became the Wonderful, Wonderful World, World of Color. Disney. Wonderful World of Disney color, all those color, things. Yeah. yeah, the theme song was When You Wish Upon a Star, right? Oh, that was Disneyland theme song. Disneyland theme song because the came on, color song had their own theme song. The and Wonderful World had, of uh, Color. Yeah, yeah, very good. Well, and now they have all those spinoff movies with all the fairies. Like, there's a line to meet the princesses and a line to meet the fairies, and it's like... The fairies well, don't meet anymore. It's just uh, it's just Tinkerbell at the Town Square Theater now. Oh, well, now in Disneyland, they yeah. have Pixie Hollow. It's like a whole area. The new Fantasyland that we have now was supposed to have a Pixie Hollow as well. Thank goodness they scratched that for Sword yeah. of Yeah. Series. Also, she flies from the castle, which is probably the most notable thing in the parks Definitely. of Tinkerbell. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tinkerbell is everywhere. And Derek, I just saw this past time when we went to Epcot last Monday is my first time like noticing. I know I've seen it before. Yeah. The uh, the topiary you were talking about with uh, Peter Pan up on top of the Buckingham Palace uh, facade. Yeah, yeah, it's nice, right? Uh, down there it is. Yeah. Very nice. Clever. An- another spinoff that uh, again, I think it's just interesting how Peter Pan has so many characters in it that have been lasting. Because when you think about Captain Hook and Smee, they're also featured in Jake and the Neverland Pirates, which is another spinoff uh, that's on Playhouse Disney or whatever they're calling mm-hmm. it now, Disney Junior. Um, that is just they're the the bad guys, I guess you could say, for a preschool show. But yeah. they found life in another series as well. That's true. But yeah. I've always thought Peter Pan was interesting because he fits in so many different lands at the Magic Kingdom. Like, I've seen him do... Him and Wendy meet in Adventureland. I've seen them meet in Fantasyland. Uh, I've seen them meet there by... In the hub there. Well, I guess right outside Adventureland. But they they kind of can can adjust and adapt to wherever they're needed. They have prominent floats also 
and the Main Street Electrical Parade and the new Festival of Fantasy. Oh, Parade. the Floating sure. Festival of Fantasy is great. I really like yeah. it with the pirate ship floating on the rainbow. It looks nice. It is nice, yeah. Well, I have some fun facts about Peter Pan if you want to hear them. Now, these are, no. there aren't as many as the castle, so just hold on for one minute. Um, first of all, the voice of Wendy in the film, and I'm guessing the attraction, is also the same voice as Alice yes. in Alice in Wonderland. Catherine so, Beaumont, is exactly. that Exactly, and I guess that voice was also in the Alice in Wonderland ride, so she might be featured in two rides at Disneyland. Ooh. I would assume, but I could be wrong. Anyway, um, now the original Disneyland version of Peter Pan's flight had the same thing that we talked about with Snow White Scary Adventures several weeks ago about how when it first opened, it did not have the main character because the idea was that you were the main character flying into the nursery yeah. and then flying over Neverland. And so there was no Peter, but he was added to the Walt Disney World version when it opened. So it's always been there, but it wasn't added in Disneyland until 1983 when Fantasyland had its big refurbishment kind of from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And the yes. last one, I did not know. In fact, I thought this was a lie. So I looked it up to make sure. But it is true that one of the mermaids in the... What's... Lagoon? What's Mermaid the, Lagoon. Mermaid Lagoon. That makes sense. <laughs> okay. Is Ariel. Yeah. Did you? Okay, so you knew that. I had no I mean, idea. It always like looked like it. With the I always thought, yeah, I thought it was purple, just a coincidence. I didn't think it was supposed thing. to be. She's got the teal bottom and then the purple top. And apparently it hasn't always been there. Hmm. Now, this is how the story goes that um, people always said, is, was Ariel in there? And they're always like, well, it's just mermaids. It's just mermaids. So finally, when they did the refurb in whatever year that was, they specifically added Ariel so they could have an answer to give to the guests who ask and say, yes, that is Ariel. That sounds like a BuzzFeed article waiting to happen about how, like, all the Disney movies are connected in the same universe. <laughs> well, even just that fact alone sounds like something that BuzzFeed would say where I kind of hit myself in the forehead and shake my head. And I'm like, no, BuzzFeed, no, that's not right. But <laughs> I just saw it on so many different sites that I really think that one's true. Well, I have a depressing fact. Would you like to hear a depressing fact? Of course. It's my favorite kind. All right. Bobby Driscoll, who is the voice of Peter Pan, uh, he was a Disney... Um, I don't He's want to in use the word Treasure Muse. Island, right? Yeah, he was the boy in Treasure Island in Song of the South and So Dear to My Heart. But the sad fact is he died uh, before his 31st birthday. He got really involved, apparently in drugs, and uh, died. They found his body in like an alleyway in New York, and they didn't even know it was him for several weeks. And then he died a pauper's death. So That's pitiful. So sad. Okay, so the... Uh, back to the question uh, that we always ask: What do you think is Peter Pan well represented in the parks? Yes, I think that um, my, the 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 recent additions to the queue to the Disney World attraction aside, I think that the Disney World attraction needs a lot of care. Mm. It was re- I mean, guess it redone in the '90s was the last time it's been given attention to, and in a in a big way, it just needs a lot of. Uh, just small things that could enhance the uh, the believability and the immersiveness of it, you know. So I don't look over and see the black walls necessarily. Uh, you can see, like maybe hang some curtains or something, just to give it a little more depth than just the black wall. Yeah. But I think the boats are creaky. I think Peter Pan, and as, as a whole, is the perfect way that you take a 
charming film, and it's not overdone in the parks. It's just perfect. There's just enough there between the attraction and the parades and the meet and greets that if you are a fan of Peter Pan, you're going to be satisfied. But if you don't care for Peter Pan, for whatever reason, I don't know why you wouldn't, but if you don't, you don't feel like, oh, it's just a Peter Pan area, you know, kind of a sure. thing. Like, you can you can uh, take it or leave it. Yeah. Which reminds me of probably my most coveted thing I would like from Peter Pan at our park, at least the Disney World parks, is that is, like, I hate the Pocahontas segment of our Fantasmic versus the Peter Pan scene from oh, the Disney yeah. I would love that. that With the it, 200 it, foot tall boat. Shut up. I knew yes. that coming. <laughs> it is pretty neat, yeah. That boat is so large. That's like on a, that just reminded me, that's going to be your thing, Derek. Like on a sitcom, whenever, like the, uh, you got it, dude, from Full House. Yeah. Uh, now it's 200 foot boats and the audience just loses their mind and laughter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, like I remember that. <laughs> he said it. He said it. Okay. All right. Let's move on to. You're the one we're supposed to make fun of on this show, Jeremy. Stop it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How's it feel? 1955. <laughs> this is the film I mentioned earlier that I have not seen, but it is Lady and the Tramp. Now, I might be missing some inside jokes, but as far as I know, there are not a lot of Lady and the Tramp references in Walt Disney World. The most prominent one that I can think of, and maybe the only one, is Tony's Town Square. The restaurant, uh, which is a charming little Italian restaurant there right in beginning of Main Street. I think it's cute. They have the, the dog footprints out front in the concrete. So, you know, lady and tramp. Um, okay. I've never seen this. They show the film on the TV while you're waiting for your uh, reservation or your table or whatever. Uh, there's a beautiful statue in the middle of Tony's of the dogs. Uh, other than that, there's really not a lot of reference to this film in the parks, besides the occasional topiary at Epcot during Flower Yeah, mm-hmm. Well, true. Pop Century Resort in the 1950s section has the giant That's right. icons of the two dogs. Yes, yeah. Which, again, another strange film that it just seems to endure throughout American culture and pop culture in general. Because, I mean, you cannot eat spaghetti... Without thinking, I mean, at least if you're sharing a oh, plate of spaghetti, when you get when you get a reference on Family Guy, you are <laughs> you've ingrained made it. That's in the American standard. pop culture. Yes, uh, and there's the, obviously it was a meatball scene where they're you know sharing a meatball and like don't do it, don't do it. First of all, one of my favorite Disney songs is from this, and that is Bella Notte. Beautiful song. And that whole scene is really pretty when it pans out from them, you know, doing their little dog thing. And then it goes up, you know, you see the clotheslines hanging between the buildings, and it just pans out, and you see the big uh, landscape at nighttime. It's very nice. And I love that song. A few years ago, I did a top five most romantic moments in Disney animated films list, and that was my number two. The Bella and Note. Disney's the, like, Disney successfully makes you have those nice romantic feelings. Um, using dogs. <laughs> dogs. Animals that sniff each other's rear ends to say hello, and you're fawning like, over them. No, yeah. I saw, you know, remember the ice bucket, ice bucket challenge the, uh, like a year ago? Yeah. Do I? Well, I saw the other day um, Meredith Vieira is trying to get the next thing. I don't think it's taking off, but where you share a piece of spaghetti with someone or food and you oh, eat wow. it. 
it just like to post videos online of doing that to raise awareness for some charity. But they're calling it like Lady in the Tramping kind of a thing. So um, that's strange. He's a tramp. That's a good song. That is a good song. That is a good song. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Matt, I don't know if you remember this, but when Jeremy and I went to France, we found a poster. I have that poster. Do you? It's a Lady in the Tramp poster, all written in French. Yeah. So, Lady and the Tramp. Hanging up in my apartment when I lived in Nashville by myself with two other guys. When I got married, obviously, that was not something featured in our home. <laughs> it is folded up somewhere or rolled up somewhere. Very Marriage cool. ruins everything. Yep. Stop. She doesn't I mean, listen, nope. does she? I didn't hear that part. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am agreeing. Like, yep. That's more or less agreeing to what I had just said. I did not notice what you had just said. And Lady and the Tramp actually features a scene, or is based on, uh, the part of the scene is based on an actual event from Walt's own personal life, and that he gave his uh, wife Lily. You know what? I just thought, I'm going to say this, but I knew that you were going to say it, because you just got it like written down. So go ahead and say it. You go ahead and say it. Oh, okay. I'll continue saying it. Thank you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you interrupted me to give me permission and to say it. And now back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> yes. <laughs> our regularly scheduled fun fact. That Walt gave his wife Lillian a puppy one year for Christmas, and he put the puppy in a hat box and get, presented it to her on Christmas Day. And that's how Lady comes to live with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Darling in the film. So okay. yeah. I think I'd say he had two dogs that actually did that spaghetti scene. He was like, <laughs> I gotta make a movie about this. <laughs> Is that how Walt talked? <laughs> I gotta make a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, so Lady and Tramp, 1955, four years pass, and then comes the last movie of the 50s, which is another princess film, this time Sleeping Beauty. And like mm. our other princess film, has a castle. Although, unlike our other princess film, this castle was actually built four years before the film came out. Now, of course, I'm talking about Disneyland, not Walt Disney World. But, there you go, Sleeping Beauty Castle, four years before the film came out. I guess it was kind of a promotion for the film yeah i would think so it's interesting to me because when i was a child we watched tons of disney films but i barely remember watching this one as a kid this was my favorite as a kid really so Mm -hmm. it's kind of had to grow on me as an adult and uh it's just to me it feels so different than other disney princesses. it does i was just gonna say that it's a lot uh, darker is not the word uh, darker is I mean you could say that's a word because Maleficent really takes on she takes the whole villain thing to a new level so mm-hmm. far you've had like playful kind of comical villains even the the wicked stepsisters as you said the, the mother's evil but you know the sisters play her foil and they're stupid and crazy but Maleficent there's no warmth and there's mm-hmm. no at least in this iteration the original iteration there's no warmth or comic relief she just is hateful. Yeah, because even her raven, Diablo, is not comical yeah. at all. I mean, she's got the little troll people, but but they're not really... That's true. But I would argue that the main characters are the people protecting her, the fairies, her parents, the whole town later on. Yeah. More so than Sleeping Beauty herself. Like, she really doesn't have that many speaking parts in the film. I think somebody said one... She's in it for, like, 13 minutes. Like, awake. Wow. <laughs> for 13 <laughs> minutes in the whole film. Uh, so yeah, she, for having the the movie named after her and the castle named after her, she's really not prominent as a character. Also, mm. worth mentioning for Sleeping Beauty is that it was. I mean, you, you say it's the it's the first, 
but it was really the first, except for Fantasia, which was Fantasia was built as this way. But Sleeping Beauty was the first to use the majority of music not composed originally for the movie. That's true. It was based on um, Tchaikovsky's yeah, ballet. That waltz. The I know you, I walk with you once upon a dream. Yeah, the waltz, even in a lot of it. Um, the, the, little, the best part in the whole thing is Maleficent's appearance at the beginning. Uh, with the green fire and the, um, that stuff. And there's this really eerie oboe part that keeps playing. You yes. go up and listen to that. Da, 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 yes. Da. That's in the original ballet, too. Oh. And I didn't know that until I went back and listened to it. And I was like, all this music is used in the film. So I guess they just used that and like adapted it. And wrote new lyrics for it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, guess good. what? I got some fun facts about the castle. Here's the last one. Okay. Well, um, it was. I've already said it's built four years before the film. Um, it's actually people say people point to one castle that it might have been modeled after, but it's actually modeled after several different European castles from the medieval times. Um, mm-hmm. It's only seventy-seven feet tall, and Jeremy and I can definitely attest to that because it was like, <laughs> wait, we're at the end of Main Street. There's supposed to be a castle here. Oh wait, there it is. I see it. It was so surreal because when you're in Orlando. And you need to kind of gauge references to know where you're at in the park. You can always find the castle, no matter what, where you're at. That is not the case no. in California. It's like, where's the castle? Oh, there's the Matterhorn. Okay, now I know where I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently the reasoning was Walt didn't want it to feel intimidating. He wanted it to feel friendly and welcoming, which I think he succeeded in doing. So... Um, this feels like my grandmother would live here. <laughs> exactly. Grandma, hello? <laughs> it's like those classic like 1930s comedy teams where you have like the tall, skinny one and the short, plump one. <laughs> That's the way I think of Cinderella's Castle and Sleeping Beauty's Castle. But it, it doesn't feel short and plump. Like it just... Like, we keep using this word, but it really does feel charming in every sense of the word because it's just quaint and you feel like you can just go up and knock on the door if you wanted to and someone friendly yep. would answer. Um, but the castle features a working drawbridge, unlike the one in Orlando, and it's only been raised twice on opening day. And then when the new fantasy land was revealed in the eighties, which what I talked about with Peter Pan. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's very, I would, I would love to see that raised. I think that would be cool. Um, the castle spires are plated with 22 karat gold. The Disney family coat of arms hangs above the archway and if you just walk through the castle, just on the other side, in the ground, there's a golden spike driven into the ground. And it said that that was the very center of the park when it was built. Of course, now Toontown was built later, and it ruined all that. But the, oh. the spike is still there. So there you go. Lots lots of fun to be had. Talking and, oh, about those. Oh, go ahead. I was going to remember. And inside is that walkthrough, the walkthrough that Jeremy and I experienced. Which was there on opening day. But then they closed for a while, but then they just brought it back within the last 10 years. It but closed in October of 2001, and oh, okay. a lot but of they... people said that it was, like, um, September 11th related. Mm. Like, I, I don't know how so, but it closed, and then they, they didn't know if they were ever going to bring it back. But then some of the Imagineers... What happens on this walkthrough? It just, like, shows, like, dioramas and scenes from uh, the movie. Oh. 
Very basic. Yeah, but like you, you start on one side of the castle and you'll climb stairs and all you along the way. Around. Yeah, you go around. But uh, one of the effects, you know the Pepper's Ghost effect in Haunted Mansion uh-huh. where uh, like it uses mirrors to make it look like they're ghosts, but it's really just mirrors and lighting. They do that with like the fairies in a few scenes. Nice. Now, I, I assume that wasn't there in the opening. Maybe those are the enhancements they added when they I reopened think so, it. But on the DVD of Sleeping Beauty that they released back in the... 2008, 2009, 10, whenever, you actually can, it gives you a virtual walkthrough of the castle. Oh. Because it was right after they reopened. Is that on the new Blu-ray they just released a couple years ago? That I don't know. Because I have I, that one. Okay, but I know it's on the DVD like right after they re-released it, right after they opened it. Okay. okay. And, uh, it, it really is neat. I mean, there was no line for it. You know, it's air-conditioned inside. You go at your own pace. I thought it was a cool little addition to the castle. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Um but going back to those gold plates on the castle, there's a fun story about when they were building it. Of course, Walt was the dreamer. Roy, his brother, was the financial guy. And they talk about how Walt showed up to the construction and said, I want those to be gold plated. And then the next day, Roy shows up. Well, those can't be gold plated. We don't have that. We can't afford it. Just paint them gold. Nobody's going to notice. So they started to paint them gold. And Walt showed up a week later. What are you doing? I told you. And they were fighting back and forth about it. And Walt actually waited until Roy like went on a business trip for a couple weeks, and he ordered the gold and had it done. Uh, so that Walt. There you go. All right. Well, yeah. let's get away from Disneyland now. Let's talk about Disney World. What references of Sleeping Beauty are there? Well, she's always meeting and greeting. Like, you can always find a Sleeping Beauty meet and greet. I yes. feel like she's either in Epcot in With France. old nasty wig. <laughs> yes. And that pink dress. Yeah, why uh, is it pink? Like, at the end of the movie, it goes back and forth. Pink, blue, pink, blue. Like, why'd they land on pink? I think to balance out Cinderella, because Cinderella wears blue. That makes sense. That would be my guess. But, yeah, she's there, and she's at um, the fairy tale... Fairy tale um, Hall. She's in Oscar Shosh in uh, Norway or however you say it. Oshkosh Bagash. So you can always find a Sleeping Beauty meet and greet. She's there. I've seen pictures of her in like the 90s in a blue dress, which I find very interesting. Ooh. So I wonder when they drew the line and said, no, no more blue dress. They should do one with the splotched dress. Yes. That would be cool. Um, now, uh, other, fi- other references to the film that I, the one that's predominant in my mind is, of course, the new steampunk Maleficent dragon in Festival of Fantasy, which I still am, am very impressed by every time I see it. And, of course, Prince Philip is there battling it. And I love the three fairies on their uh, segways, <laughs> segway yeah. dresses who are floating down the street. So, uh, anywho, she looks I was going to say, but on the Aurora, it's not Aurora so much as, and I don't remember what we were, when were we talking about Maleficent last, but we talked about her being kind of the, uh, we talked about Snow White. It was the last time we did this, Snow White, the queen being the kind of queen of the villains. But Maleficent is always there, not necessarily like the queen of the villains, but certainly like one of the head honchos. Like she's the main villain in Phantasmic. She has that scene in Festival Festival, Festival of Fantasy Parade. Uh, she's on all the you know the villains merchandise with all the other villains, uh, the main the main group there. So she's she's everywhere. I remember also. I don't know about the Main Street Electrical Parade. I don't think she has anything in there. But in the um, Spectro Magic, there was that whole float with uh, the three fairies on it, and they had yes. all their whole little Sleeping Beauty section with the butterflies and all that stuff. Yeah, and they're not face characters, right? Like they have the big old heads. Yeah, the they fairies. have the big old heads. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, you're talking about Peter Pan segment being better in Fantasmic. This is another segment, or Disneyland. This is another segment of Fantasmic that is much better in Disneyland, and that's when the Maleficent Dragon comes out. It's super impressive. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's fairly new, too, right? Maybe like five years. How long has it been around, that, I don't that know. dragon? Because they used to have a just a, um, it was different from Disney World. It was it was just a basically an inflatable thing. Now I think it's like an inflatable slash animatronic yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, it's Disney really World's cool. always been the awful um, <laughs> cherry picker thing. Yeah. Um, I remember a couple years ago they did special fireworks during the summertime, and uh-huh. the end of the show is that it's hosted by the three fairies. Yeah. And uh, Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether, and. At one point, they are arguing about pink, blue, and during that, the blue fireworks go in the pink and back and oh. forth, and and it's the perimeter, so that's and on the castle too. They were doing it on the castle. Yes, the yes. lights. Hmm. Yeah, I like that fireworks show. Okay, trivia time. The castles in Paris, Hong Kong, and Tokyo. Can you name which castles in which park? Well, they're all Paris sleeping. and Hong Kong are Sleeping Beauty. Tokyo is Cinderella. Very oh, good. That's, yeah, that's Very right. Good. Sleeping one. Beauty in Paris is my favorite, and I've not even seen it. It just looks so pretty, and it, it has that neat. whole um, stained glass thing and the dart of the dragon animatronic in the bottom. It looks more like fantastical than like an actual castle. More organic, the way they have that hill kind of oh, yeah. slope up onto it. Yeah. But that's very Sleeping Beauty-esque. Mm. Oh, know, that's the, true. The sloping hills and the straight trees and everything. I think the Tokyo Castle is pretty much an exact replica it is. I mean, it was like 10 castle. years later. They're like, let's just do that. Well, I remember <laughs> reading in Marty Sklar's book, they came up with a lot of original designs for the Magic Kingdom there in Tokyo originally, or Disneyland Tokyo. And uh, the, the Japanese executives were like, nope, we want exactly what's in Orlando. And so pretty mm. much when it started, it was complete copy from Orlando. And that's what they yeah. wanted, so that's yeah. what they got. Which when you look at the Hong Kong one, it's almost an exact replica of Disneyland. So yeah. I wonder if they said the same thing. Probably so. I guess it's just in their their business mentality. They think if it works there, it'll work here. Yeah, so. I like that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that is the fifties. Do you guys have a favorite piece that was that is a reference to a nineteen fifties film? <laughs> I mean, I want to say Peter Pan's flight, but it's kind of hard to root against the castle. I mean, yeah, that castle still just is so cool to look at. It just mm-hmm. I, if I could go back in time. I mean, I love the generation I grew up in because I think that the Disney Renaissance is such a wonderful time to be a child when you look back on it. But if I had to pick another time to live in, I would want to be a child in the 1950s, at least to experience the Disney elements then. Because, I mean, look at how much great stuff came out in the 50s, including we didn't talk about, of course, the television that was happening in the opening of Disneyland. And it just Mm -hmm. seemed like a great time for the company and a great time for pop culture Mm -hmm. during that time. And it it endures endures today. So, I think that is a great note to end on. If we forgot to mention one of your favorite parts of the Disney parks, please send us an email to comments at madchatters.net and let us know. Or you know what? Why don't you go follow us on Twitter at mad underscore chatters. We would love to chat with you over there. So until next time, have a great week. <laughs>